What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Everything she does. Back off. Is because she never loses sight of what's important. Put you on a military transport tonight. Hell yes. No one's backing down on either side. We have a bona fide crisis. We'll follow it up together. Get to the truth. I did what had to be done. Welcome back. All the smoke. My brother Jack. We got a special guest here. Our brother. Although he don't look like us, he's he a lot uglier than both of us. Mi hermano. Al Harrington, man. We appreciate you. What's up, Matthew? Love one. What so, it do? He uh, here five. in the, uh, the Viola establishment. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming by, Headquarters. We're going to jump right into it, man. Um, highly touted high school player. And uh, you decided to take the jump straight to the league. How come you didn't want to go to college first? Bro, um, I don't know. During that time, bro, I, don't, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man, to be honest. You know, I didn't start playing basketball until I was a freshman in high school. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, growing up, I didn't really have hoop dreams. It wasn't like, you know, I wanted to play in the NFL. You know, my goal was to play for Notre Dame and play for the New York Giants. But uh, Sorry, when, I got to, when I got to high school, I was 6'4". Sorry, Ed. And when I got to this new school, everybody just thought I hooped. So they put me on the team as a freshman. So on the freshman team, my nickname was Big Daddy. And uh, Big Daddy I was... I heard a couple people still call you that. That's not true. <laughs> he said, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they called me Big Daddy, and Big Daddy was not good. You know what I'm saying? I barely played. Uh, my so that summer, um, I met this dude named Jay uh, Syriac, and he was trying to get the best player on my team during that time, dude named Kurt Hobson. And he was like, yo, you think you can hook me up with Kurt? And if you bring Kurt, we'll let you play on the team or whatever. So you so, was the plus one? Yeah, I was the plus one, That's bro. So up. 
Tried to get Kurt. I didn't get Kurt, but at the end of the day, dude took a liking to me, started, you know, helping me work out. He introduced me to the uh, coach of the road runners with dude named Sandy Pioni. And Sandy started working with me. And shout out bro. Sandy, shout out Sandy. And shout that's how I Sandy. met Stack, and we'll get to that at some point. But Stack, I mean, excuse me, Sandy, like, told me everything, bro. He told me how to, you know, chew gum and dribble a basketball, chew gum and pick the ball up and lay it up. It was like a really, like, step-by-step -step process. And I ended up transferring schools to St. Patrick, which is a national uh, powerhouse high school. Sophomore year, I played a little, I played, I started, wasn't that good. I played with an All-American named Shaheen Holloway. And uh, he stole your MVP at the McDonald's. Yeah, he game, stole right? it. We, yeah, yeah, he stole it. But playing with Shaw was a lot of pressure, man, because you know, obviously he's all American. He wants to win a state championship. I'm in starting power four, and I can't catch. So just imagine hey, playing like with a, a point snake. guard that dropped hey, down. He can pass his ass off. And I can't catch, bro. So he used to cuss me out every game, <laughs> bro. So it got to the point, bro, where in the games. If it was a play and I was going to be open, I'd run behind my man so he couldn't pass me the ball. <laughs> so I ain't yeah. have to hear that's crazy. his mouth. So that's me as a sophomore. But, but you said you wanted to play football. I wanted to play football, I mean, but I, I was on the line. You need hands? Oh, okay. No, I was off. Okay. I was off. I was, was offensive he was, tackle. He was big wow. daddy, too. Yeah, huh? yeah, and I was a defensive end. Al okay. McFarlane. Yeah, you know, already. So I just run into people and just, you know, just run into people. Right. You know, I was a so big boy. So you were high behind a dude so he couldn't pass you the ball? No, I'm telling you, man. As my man rotated, I rotated with him. Just so I ain't have to worry about <laughs> his throwing me the ball and him cussing me out. So that was my sophomore year. But, you know, that summer, you know, obviously I took, you know, my game started to expand. I got invited to the uh, Adidas uh, ABCD camp. And, you know, I got there as a, you know, a rising junior. Nobody knew me. And I balled out. I made the all-star game. And then that's when, you know, I, I got on the map for the most part. And then that next year, I played against Lamar Odom uh, down in South Jersey, and that's when I got my name. So, you know, obviously, L.O. was the dude, and I got the best of him that night. You busted his ass? I busted his ass. What'd you do? The numbers was something like, you know, 28, ooh, 15, ooh, and something, or whatever. Big game, too. L.O., we're going to talk about this when you come on the show, L.O. Yeah, we won that game, bro. <laughs> but I'm saying, I tell you all the time, like, I got my name. I got my Al Harrington name off of that game versus right. Lamar Odom. So big shout-out to Lamar Odom for holding me down and giving right. me that opportunity. Good luck. But uh, after that, you know, things just started to take off. I started working my way up the, up the uh, board. And, you know, by the time I was a senior, I went to Nike All-American camp. That's where all the top players was at, even though my AAU team was Adidas. Uh, went there just hunting boys down, you know what I'm saying? And I ended up being the MVP of the camp. And, you know, at that, that point, I was the number one player. And just because, you know, I seen all these other, all the other number one players in the country was going pro out of high school, I was like, I might as well do the same thing, you know what I'm saying? And my mom was totally against it. She was just like, you too young, you too immature. What you gonna do up there with grown men? Shout so, out mama. Yeah, so it took me like, it literally took me like a month to convince her, because at that time, you know, your parents had to sign off on paperwork <laughs> for you to go into the draft. So you had to beg your mom so to go to the NBA? Beg my, hey, I had to beg my mother so she don't have to work no more. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But. uh she finally signed the paperwork, and you know the rest is history. But if I went to school, I probably was gonna go to Georgia Tech. Okay. I wanted to go down to Atlanta. That's where my grandmother was. You know, I had a lot of family down there, so I wanted to go play in front of family if I did go to college. So now you're drafted to the Indiana Pacers, where a winning franchise, Reggie Miller's there. There's a lot of talent there. Tell me what that's like, and how do you find your footing as a 17, what, 18 year old? 18 year old. So, it was, you know, it was hard going in there with all those vets, right? Because, I mean, I was playing with real vets. The Davis like, brothers. I played with the Davis boys. I played with uh, Chris Mullins, Sam Perkins, 
uh, Derek McKee, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Hayward Workman. Yeah. Like those are the those were my vets. You know what I'm saying? So these dudes was like grown kids, families, the whole thing. So a lot of them didn't really have time to hang out with me, but. Uh, during that time coming up in the league, like, you know, rookies used to, they used to be hard on rookies, you know what I'm saying? So I used to have to, you know, obviously have donuts every day, fresh hot donuts from Krispy Kreme. Did you eat any of them before you gave? Yo, I ain't gonna lie, bro. So <laughs> I got out of control in the beginning. Like, I gained like 10 pounds, bro. And I know Donnie Walsh came in and was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, I don't that know. Dunkin' Donut he's like, Run. He's like, are you eating them donuts? <laughs> <laughs> donut run. I'm like, yes, I'm smashing the donuts. I get them, they nice and hot. <laughs> they nice and hot. <laughs> like they're calling it now. Hot and tasty. <laughs> so I was smashing the donuts, but uh, no, donuts, orange juice, having to get their cars clean, unloading the plane, unloading the bus, was picking the up the practice rookie? gear. I was the only rookie Damn. my rookie year. So like they used to run me thin, you know what I'm saying? But you know, during that time, that's when I realized that successful players in the league actually smoke weed because I was the rookie. Really? you know, I used to get sent to go buy blunts and all that type of stuff, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, I was blessed to have those guys, you know what I'm saying? I really feel like because those guys was around, it allowed me to play 16 years, you know what I'm saying? Because they helped me, you know, set a foundation of what it took to be a pro first and how to survive in the league 16 years. All that was was, you know, being professional, not being late, you know what I'm saying? Working your ass off. And if you do those things, and with the talent that I had, you know what I'm saying, I was set up to have longevity in the league. So, you know, as much as I wish I came to a team where, you know, in my rookie year, I got major minutes and all that, my thing was a blessing in disguise that I was able to sit down for a year and kind of just watch and, you know, figure it out for myself of, like, you know, what it took to actually be in the league and, you know, be able to, you know, like I said, we had had that longevity. What it take to crack once you started playing? Like, when someone got hurt, it was just... That summer you killed, what was it that got you playing the next year? Well, what happened was um, Mully left, right, um, and uh, Dale Davis left. So that was the three and the four, right? Um, obviously, uh, excuse me, Antonio left. So Antonio was the backup four, and Mully was the backup three um, behind Jalen. And so that gave me an opportunity. That summer, you know, I worked my ass off. I got in unbelievable shape. You know, I lived in the gym. I was just waiting for my opportunity. And during that summer is when I lived in, in New York. So I was playing against guys like Anthony Mason, God bless the dead, uh, you know, Malik Sealy. You know, I was able to play against guys that play all the time in the league and kind of, you know, learn from them as well, some of the nuances of the game. So when I came back in, you know, my second year, you know, I was ready to play. You know what I'm saying? And for the most part, I played, you know, most of that year until I actually hurt my back. You skipped over the side. How did you and Al, uh, you and Jack meet? From the oh yeah, so the guy Sandy Pagnon that I'm talking about that uh, taught me the game or whatever, uh, he has this gym in, in Union, New Jersey, and to this day I still don't know how Jack ended up being in there. But Jack walked in uh, with jeans on, you know, to work out or whatever. Came in, <laughs> you know, took all his stuff off, you know, put his workout shit on, and what was amazing, I turned, I looked, and his jeans were still standing there, like literally the jeans were still. He was starched up. Bro. That stay flow, baby. We had that stay flow work. Oh, he had right so there. much starch in his jeans, dog. He took them off. He, you just stood them up? He just stood them up. You that kind of dude, too. Yeah, just bro, to do I'm some country, dumb dog. shit like I'm, that. I'm just country. stand it. So I was amazed by that. I'm like, yo, bro, how your pants still standing there? <laughs> <laughs> He's like some slow flow or whatever he said. Hey, I was like, oh, I ain't never heard of that before. Keep that so, shit where you from. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? We worked, <laughs> we worked out or whatever, and, you know, obviously, you know, he was two years older than me, you know what I'm saying? So obviously he had game, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, 
that was the only day he came. You know what I'm saying? So I, came, I still did your thing and kept it moving. Huh? It was just a workout. You know how we do it. I didn't yeah. want me to work out with Sandy. Okay, got him a workout in and never seen him again until I got to the league. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's when I first met my brother. You know what I'm saying? And uh, obviously we hit it off. And then, you know, obviously when he got into the league, he played New Jersey. And, you know, Steph was like my big homie, my big mm -hmm. brother, and same thing to him. So. That's how we started to reconnect, and you know, obviously the rest is history. So you guys are traded for each other, somewhat uh, in '04, and then you eventually end up back on the Pacers together. You guys want to talk mm -hmm. about that? What was that like? Well, the playing together was short, real short in Indiana. Yeah, he got us ran out of town, actually. What happened? <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs> All I'm well, saying hold on, is hold on, this. Hold on. Really, it's your fault. How's I, it my fault? I was at home chilling, Jack. Let's go. But the rest of the team is out. Let's go. I'm like, nah, we've been out all day. Jack, come on, man. So you're the reason why I left the house. That may be true. But what happened was... What transpired after he left the house? Man, so whatever it was, man, like, so we get traded for each other. I should have never left. This guy is unbelievable. I leave. He goes and have a brawl in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? He starts with that. So I'm well, like, so I you could have been in that. I would have been in there. No you question. serious about that? <laughs> Thank God, because I needed all my chicken. Right. Big chicken. shout out to Beast Mode. Right. <laughs> I needed all my chicken, so thank God I wasn't there. But okay, so from a distance, I look, I see that boom, you know, stack going to stands, he's fighting everybody in the arena or whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, this, this guy's wild. <laughs> this guy's wild. <laughs> Next year, they have some success or whatever. So obviously, now there's an opportunity for me to actually go back to the team. So I'm like, you know, one of those, I felt like, you know, I should have never left Indiana in the first place, to be honest, because Atlanta was a hellhole. You know what I'm saying? I went from winning 61 games in two, uh, 2003, four season to four or five season winning 13 games. Ooh. So like- Your numbers was crazy though. My numbers was crazy, but they don't respect numbers when nah. you win 13. They like, somebody got to score. <laughs> no bullshit. They don't give you no props when you get big no numbers bullshit. on the 13 win team. It was so bad in Atlanta, bro. I remember one time we went on a losing streak for so long that by the time we won, Sports Center ran a special of like all the things that happened since, since the last won? time we won a game. And Damn. it was like the Grammys, the Super Bowl, <laughs> March Madness. Martin Luther King. It was, like, it was like all kind of stuff. The playoffs. So I go, ain't even tell me how bad it was. But we just passed, passed, tell me how bad it was gonna be in Atlanta. But whatever. So to his point, you know, um, I get back to the team and, you know, obviously, you know, they had a lot of success. And I'm thinking, obviously, adding me and all this type of that stuff. Piece. Now, you I'm understanding. Wrong. It was you for wrong. Yeah, and I'm understanding now, like, you know, I'm gonna come off the bench and I'm okay with it now. You know what I'm saying? I got through that process. What year does this, what, year six for you, seven? It was year six when I left. Okay. When, when I you wanted came, to start. When you came back, you were starting, because remember, Ron had just left. So you were starting. Ron was, was a sack? Yeah, you were starting. That's right, I was starting. You were starting. Ron that had just right. left. And Ron that's why they gone. brought you back, because they had to get Ron up out of there. That's right. So, you know, we're playing well. You know what I'm saying? Not well, we're playing okay. Okay. Or whatever. But we get through training camps, so, you know, the night, you know, that changed everything for me. So when I get back, you know, I'm thinking, like, I'm set. Like, I'm, I'm never leaving Indiana again. They love me, whatever. So I go and buy a house. A house that I want to gut and do all this stuff to it. So I gut it. I put all kind of wild stuff, suede walls, two TVs in every room. Went crazy. This went crazy, right? Because I'm thinking I'm back in Indiana to stay. Life. Or whatever. So training camp, we get a day off. <laughs> Bad start. Days off are no good. Get a day off, right? We have no practice the next day. So everybody like, yo, let's go out and hang out. So I should have known the night was going to be crazy because... I come out of this restaurant called Champs, 
And Jamal Tinsley's driving by, so I wave him down. So I'm like, more, more, more. So he pull over. So I'm like, what you about to do? So as I stick my head in the car, in the back seat of his car, he has like 25 guns. <laughs> right? So well, just laying there. The pause. So we had all just got our gun license. The, the, uh, the, the uh, sheriff had came to my house and gave us all gun license <laughs> like two weeks before that. Go ahead, I'll finish. So I should have known this was going to be a wild night. Because I looked in the car, and he got he's in a, a, a 645 BMW. So there's no real backseat, but it's filled with guns. So I'm like, where are you coming from, bro? <laughs> what the fuck? So he like, we all coming from the gun range. We all got our licenses, blah, 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 blah. Shut I'm up, like, mom. all right. I'm like, yo, let's do something tonight. They like, all right, let's go. Um, I think it's called Pure Passion, or what was the name of the spot? Rio. Rio. Rio, yeah. Club Rio. Let's go to Rio. Let's go to Rio. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's go to Rio. Get on the phone calls. This first person I'm gonna call. Stack, what you doing? I said, I'm at the house. I'm chilling. Hey, let's go to Rio tonight. We ain't got practice tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go shake it up a little bit. All right. So we all meet at Rio. So I think the night whole was fun. Team? Whole, whole team. Whole team. Whole team. We all in there. You know, throwing some dollars around, having a great time. You know, get around that time for me. I'm like, all right, I'm gone. So shake his hand. They stack like I'm right behind you. What else? So I'm like, all right, cool. So I leave. I go downtown. I'm staying at the hotel downtown. I get up the next morning, and this is when I had this bullshit-ass mohawk. That shit was what, terrible. What was I thinking? Kicked terrible. And that's why I'm just saying, like, for them to be my homeboys, nobody really pulled me aside you. and was like, like son, that mohawk is some that, bullshit. That shit was super weak. Like, not super one weak. of them. And your shit was balded right here, too. Yeah, it was thin here. <laughs> it was some Mr. T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it was some Mr. T-shirt. It was straight Mr. T-shirt. And that's why, I, that's why I struggled with it, because I had to get it cut all the time, because it was some bullshit. But nobody, not one of my homeboys said, yo, fam, crazy, cut man. that off. You know, Let I, you rock. You. I was letting you rock, I you fam. Would, you I would have definitely told yeah, you. because you would have been saying jokes, and that would have <laughs> definitely made me cut my shit off. <laughs> I was letting sure. you rock, fam. <laughs> Let him live? I was letting him live. So check it out. So I get up in the morning, whatever. Sunny day is a nice day. Beautiful day. Off day. So I'm going to the barbershop to go get my mohawk touched up. So I get in there, and when I sit down, the dude like, yo, everybody all right from last night? And I'm like, what you mean? He's like, nah, the Pacers, y'all had a shootout last night. I said, a shootout? What you talking about, bro? He like, yeah, man, y'all was y'all team was, had a shootout with some dudes at the club. I'm like, what club? He like, real. So I'm literally the last person in the state of Indiana to know that these boys had a shootout. <laughs> right, had a shootout. He was just with him. So I called Stack. Well, I, he don't answer, obviously. I called J.O. J.O. like, we at the hospital. So I'm like, he's like, we about to leave, though. So I'm like, all right, cool. So he like, everybody gonna meet at Stackhouse in like a couple of hours. So I go to Stackhouse, and, uh, you know, it's like all somber, you know, whatever. Quiet in the moment. Quiet, but I come with Danny Granger. So we walk in, <laughs> and, and Stack come turn the corner, and his face is like this big. His Swole lips, lips everything teeth gone, is all crazy. Kind of shit. And Danny Granger look at him and said, Damn, Jack! <laughs> hey, it made me laugh. I couldn't really laugh because my lips were so swollen. And he dog. tried to laugh and his lips couldn't move, bro. Oh my God. So, so to go back, <laughs> when, Al was, when Al pulled out the parking lot, I was right behind him. But as Al was turning the corner of the light, I seen Jamal running out the club. And they was chasing Jamal to his car. So I put my shit in reverse. And as, as I, 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 you know, we just got a gun license, so I pulled my shit out. And I ran over there with Jamal. I had my shit in my hand. By the time I get over there, you know, like we about to fight, so I hit one of them with my pistol. Bow! We get to fighting. More dudes come up out of the club. I've been in that position too many times. I know Poasa gets surrounded and stumped out. I'm gonna let off some warning shots. Bow, bow! I let two off. By that time, I was running to my car. Somebody, one of the niggas that got in their car, 
and sized me up in the parking lot and hit me going like 35, 40 miles per hour. Boom, knocked me in the air. I hit the ground, my, the momentum of the car hit me, my face just hitting the ground. I stand up, all my teeth gone, my lips shattered. But, and I was kind of, I was out of it, but what, what made me come back was one of my teammates, I ain't got to say his name on here, he started letting off at the car. And that made me come out of it. So as I stood up and saw that, I pulled my shit out and chased the car down. As I shot my last shot, I passed out. Wake up in the back of the car with uh, Marquise and the police, Marquise Darren's the police car, because just for the simple fact that they had all of us arrested, but they had me in the car and I was unconscious. So I hear him kicking the door. He think I'm dying because my lips, my teeth gone, my lips just bleeding everywhere. He think I'm dying. So he kicking the door and that's how I wake up. 10 minutes later, they let us go. We meet at the gas station and that's, I think that's when he talked to jail for the first time because uh, we all met at the gas station. We all had guns. We all was gonna go tear some shit up. I was ready to kill everything moving. And mid-sentence, mid Jermaine O'Neal stopped me and say, Jack, I feel all that shit. I feel all that shit you talk about. I want to kill somebody too. But you got to go to the hospital, dog. You got to go to the hospital. And I'm not even thinking that, but what the fucked up part was, as soon as he said it, my shit instantly started hurting. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Gums started hurting, everything, man. I had so to go. So all your teeth out? And I, my top one's out. <clears throat> I had to get uh, plastic surgery on my lips for two hours with no anesthesia. So they pulling, cutting my lips, taking rocks and shit out of my debris out of my lips and shit for two hours. I'm holding Rick Carlisle's hand, and uh, I forgot who else was there, my, uh, my girl hand at the time. And just, I fought it for two hours. After that shit, I slept for like seven hours straight. Mm. So that's how, so that was my, that's how, when I came back to Indiana and why I got out of there. That's, that's why so we got fast. traded. They that's traded our ass right so fast. So now, from there, is where we all get connected. Yes, and Golden State. So we, you guys get traded late January to Golden State. Yeah, it was late January, yep. I was on my way out the league. I had bounced around the league three, four years, never really got a chance to play. Baron had called me up that pre-summer. Yo, we hooping at, uh, we hooping uh, down in the city. I drove an hour and a half from SAC, played well. Nelly was watching, long story. I get on the team. So we're having a not a very good year, but I'm starting to play consistently and play good enough to where they're ready to get rid of Mike Dunleavy and Troy Murphy because I'm playing well. And we hear buzz, who's coming, who's coming this, who's coming that. Mike Dunleavy, was, he's one of the funniest dudes ever, one of the best teammates cool ever. Shit. Troy, I love Troy Mike cool Dunleavy. too. Shout out Mike Dunleavy. Troy's cool as shit too. Where you play with him at? Mike Dunleavy, Milwaukee. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. 
Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So then, uh, so I, I remember the, the day the train went down, they told us who was coming. And we're like, wow, how the fuck we get there? But we only had like seven dudes that day, maybe. I, I want to say we played the Lakers, the Clippers. We were in L.A., got beat, but then y'all came and just became an instant brotherhood. Like, you guys had the connection already. I didn't know really, I just knew you guys from playing. Me and BD had a connection. You had a connection to BD, mm -hmm. but it was just like instant. So tell me what it was like from Indiana to where you think a dream situation is, and then Jack gets you traded. Uh, <laughs> what was that like? That's fucked up, man. Why you had to say it like I that, mean, huh? it, it sucked because I had, like I said, you know, I didn't finish my point with the house. Like, I spent all this money in this Killed house. that shit. And, bro, I, I literally slept in it three nights. Man, fuck your house. Three nights, bro. That's how fast it happened? It happened that fast. I gutted it, bro. So I lived, house, in a, nah. I lived in a hotel for three months, bro. Oh. But whatever. But, you know, obviously coming there, bro, so the thing, I, the one thing I can say about, um... Indiana, and I think what I think what we brought to that team was the brotherhood kind of vibe. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because that was the same way we we hung out in Indiana. You know what I'm saying? I feel like uh, the reason why we wasn't having the success we were supposed to have on the court was because we was enjoying the nightlife a little too much. You know what I'm saying? I and can remember. I can State? remember. And, and no, in Indiana. Indiana. Because I can remember. You know, two. I can recall two trips: one in Toronto, and one in L.A where, like, we get to the uh, arena for shoot-around and, like, we bring it in and, like, it smelled like nothing but, like, Grey Goose and Patron. Like, it's just it's coming out of everybody's pores to the point where, like, Rick, like, yo, look, let's just go back. <laughs> Y'all get some rest and come back ready to play, to play tonight. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think we was kind of letting the nightlife kind of get the best of us just because, you know, we felt like we were so good we could kind of turn it on. We cool. wanted to and different things like that. But I think when we got traded... It kind of woke both of us up. And I think that coming to the Golden State situation, we knew that it was going to be more of a challenge. The team had been to the playoffs in 13 years and different things like that. So it gave us a focus. It gave us something to, you know, to strive for. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And then getting in the locker room and realizing how many real dudes was in the locker room, we was like, oh, shit. yo, so we, fell, team. We, fell on our, we fell on our feet nice. You, not, not me not knowing you at all, and then realizing you were the craziest motherfuckers I could ever meet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow, inappropriate. You just a wild motherfucker. <laughs> like a motherfucker. Right? Bro, that's just Matt. Then BD who is, I call him the Walt Disney of Hoop, because he is just a thousand people <laughs> in the same day. In the same <laughs> day. Shout out, BD. Three or four motherfuckers in one conversation. Monte, 
was a young killer, but Mississippi bullet, but didn't know what was going on. He was just waiting on us to just teach him or tell him just anything, looking. just sick him on anything. Jay Rich, another dude, Don right? Julio. You know, another Shout one, out a dog, ready to go. And he was coming back from injury, so he had a lot to prove. I think we just came into a perfect situation. And then we bought that family vibe, family dinners, and you know, we connected our, our wives and our girls and different things like that. And you know, in two months' time, bro, I felt like I had been with y'all for A years. A long time. Obviously, what really brought us together was, you know, down the stretch when I think we had to win like 14 out had of 17 to, games. To make sure even think about making play like it that. Was 18 out of 21. We had to win 18 out of 20. Like, that's crazy. And we all looked at each other, and I think Let's it was because it. of those five, six weeks beforehand of building that we could look at each other and know, like, yo, we can actually do this shit. But you know on and off the court, too, is what people don't understand is, like, it's crazy that you say you guys are kind of burning on both ends in Indiana and you thought you could turn We burned it in Golden State, too, but right. we had, like you said, we had more. We didn't have, a, we didn't have as much cushion, so we right. had to, okay, we gonna go out and get fucked up. We still gotta come out and hoop tomorrow. We did that every single night. And I think what was unique about our team, too, which I think, um, you know, I think it affects the game now, is, like, we had a type of team we could hold each other accountable. You say anything to anybody. We could say anything to anybody, whether it hurt your feelings or not. You got over it. You got to be close, you know, to like stories where like one of us is not playing, and you come out the game, and we could joke on you and right. not, it not be personal. Right, you know right, what I'm right. saying? Because if you don't have that level of communication, you know what I'm saying? It's that, a could fight. Be, that could be misconstrued Fuck the team or up, type all of that, ways. Right. For me, like you know, that was a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Being able to play with y'all, and you know that. That feeling that we had during that time, I'm not even gonna lie. Like after I moved on from there, I never could recreate that. You know what I'm saying? No way. I don't I think none of us. You know what I'm saying? None like, of us what did. We, what, we, what we had was special, bro. Yeah. Like we did everything together. Dog. On and off the court, we went on so hard. On and off the court, we did everything. But people don't holiday. realize, like you said, you said that was, it was a, it was a three month span where we went from bottom of the West to the eighth seed, and we the last night. Remember the Clippers had the Clippers lost to someone in LA. It was in Portland. We had beat Portland and needed the Clippers to lose, and the Clippers lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to, yep. and we knew as we were winning that they had lost, and we lost our minds. Well, I, the reason why I remember that, because remember that game in Portland? I got kicked out, and Don Nelson came up to me. He's like, I don't care about you getting kicked out. Just don't get suspended. We're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> and, he, and he was walking me off the court. I remember the video. Yep. I don't care about you getting kicked out. Right. Just don't get suspended for the next game. We're going to make the playoffs. But you, you, guys, excited, you guys brought bro. such an amazing energy to our team. You know what I mean? Both as skilled as can be from the wing position from the all over the floor, but down so, someone that could do a lot of stuff in, in a bigger player because people don't realize like, that's Nelly Ball. He guarded right. Yao. You know what I mean? You're guarding Yao Ming. You know what I mean? I'm playing the five he sometimes. He hated that shit, though. Yeah. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all remember every time we played y'all? Y'all remember the next day I couldn't practice or nothing? I he couldn't was, move? That was, that was a big motherfucking league. Yo, he used to knee because... He hated I, that shit. Y'all used, used to... Well, we had... I had to front him, and fronting someone that's 7'4 means the nigga's gonna be kneeing you all in your back. So I never... Like, every time we played them the next day, I could not move. Hey, dude, you remember for the game? He was like, yeah, fine. I ain't starting today. What you mean? <laughs> Fuck that. I ain't starting today. <laughs> Took yourself out the lineup? I ain't starting today. Fuck that. They hated going, y'all. Put Goose ass and I ain't starting today. Yeah, man, I'm like... <laughs> I thought Nelly used to do that shit on purpose, too. I'm like, why can't Goose front him? Why I got to front hey, him? we laughed at you until we had to go at Boozer and Okool. Oh, cool. and, and Millsap. Ooh, and Millsap. Young Millsap. Oh, my goodness. The young Boo Millsap. We felt your pain then. The shit was crazy. And then, like I said, that was a two-month span, and then we talk about the trade that happened with Jay Rich, and then the beginning of the next season, my mom died, so I'm kind of out the mix. You kind of fall out with Nelly, and that was it. We were the, the team was gone. They didn't re-sign Barron. 
No the way. following year, That's you know what I mean? So Jay Rich was, was going first. Rich, we traded Jay Rich first. Yeah. Jay Rich was going first. Yeah. Then BD. Yeah. BD was the next season, because remember the next season we won 48 games. We almost didn't make the playoffs. They yeah. missed we the playoffs. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Denver, yeah, and that night Denver won. They beat the Clippers, and they got in, and we and we lost. Yeah. And that was the first time I smoked, I smoked weed. Yeah. I told you it was, it was after we night. lost. It was after we lost to Utah, right? It was, it was, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it was, no, no, no. No, it, it was, was the second, second year, year after we figured we weren't in the playoffs no more. That's the first time I smoked, was in, was in Phoenix. No, remember you smoked, then you had the drug test the next day and you it passed it? It was in Phoenix. I it didn't pass it, I Phoenix. diluted it. You diluted it? Because what happened was, y'all told me, because the, the, the trainer called me on the way to the gym. Crazy. And was like, yo, you got a piss test. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. First time you ever smoked. First time I ever smoked. I, I get piss test the Phoenix. next day. We was Phoenix. in Phoenix. Yeah, okay. we were, everyone came to my room. Everyone, I got off the bus. Everybody was blown. But he told me I got off the bus, and I went to Whole Foods. Uh -huh. And I got that Sony number seven thing y'all told me to get. I got that. I drank it. That shit was disgusting. Word. <laughs> and I just started pissing all day, pissing all day. Yeah, clean so, you out. I got to the game and I'm nervous, so I don't piss when I get there. I tell them I can't piss. So after I wait till after the game. Yeah. So you remember, y'all was waiting on me and everything. And when I pissed, it was just all water. So yeah. that's when I realized you get a dilute test. You yeah. get one. You get one. One. So that was my one. That's how I passed. Yeah. I had, right? I, it was all water. He put the thing in. He was like, this is all water. And I was like, what you want me to yeah, do? I'm a fucking athlete. What you mean? <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm hydrated. <laughs> we gave you the blueprint. We gave you the blueprint. <laughs> y'all gave me, so y'all got me through that. But yeah, that, that was the first. But I remember that night, man. I was paranoid in that room, man. The liquid shit. It was liquid. Yeah, Some shit called liquid. Man, y'all had me. Y'all had me. I was high. Well, because you smoked, smoked, but you had never smoked. Never smoked. But that you was, was you wasn't time. you wasn't really passing it up. Though I'm gonna keep it real. Like you burn with us. Yeah, I smoked so we're with used to it. But I when I got to my room, it got weird. <laughs> 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 oh, everything I love, it got weird as shit when I got in that room, bro. Hey, we we always talk about um, that game six after we won, right. how that night was, right. like all the stuff we done. You remember what you remember from that night? Man, so you know, I didn't. So if you remember, you know, I had my wife with me, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to go with you boys. You know what I'm saying that night, but um, I remember going to the city. Um, that Italian restaurant we go to all the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, back. literally, we walked in, and everybody, like, stood up cheering. You know what I'm saying? We was rock star. I, I rock promise, star, I, really I really believe that one of us could have got, got away with murder that year. <laughs> we were that hot? I swear. When I tell you, when I go I've never seen, like, because think about it, I've been in winning teams. I've been in winning markets, right? I've, been, I've seen You've it. You've been a winner. I've never seen it, people, the way they carried us, and go to state. It had us down in the city. I'm I think they would have dumped you, the body. If I you believe you knock somebody off, and it was some dudes walking down the street. They'd have helped you get rid of it. We would have felt more yeah, I believe that. I believe that. They loved us, bro. We had like to you talk about though. you talking about that culture, say, like, yeah. you know, like the real authentic culture of Oakland and all that. Though we had they that. fucked with us. That's why I tell people when I went back to 17 and got a chance to win the ring, they talked about that we believe team more than the, the current success they had, and it blew right. my mind. I'm like, you got Steph, KD, you got these. We believe is that's our heart. That's Oakland. That's this. That's that. And then to see the other players like Steph and Katie and them do show love to right. our team too, wearing the jerseys and the warm ups yeah. and all that shit. I'm just like, like it's still, I see. You know, I, I still got my crib out there, so I go and yeah. show my face all in, in the supermarkets. All the, they open lines for me, discount the shit out of my growth. Like it's crazy bro, love night, out there, bro. Yo, that night, man. And I remember obviously talking to y'all like the next day and hearing some of the stories about smoking with coaches and all that other so, stuff. So you didn't go with us to Snoop Hotel? Was I it did not. Beard? 
It had to be Baron. If it was BD, it probably wasn't me. It had to be Baron. Is that I what you talk about when you said when BD was like pot ride for us? Nah, 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 nah we, we was in the car. We was talking about that shit at dinner last night. We talking about it at dinner last night. You heard the story? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but that's that. So it must have been Baron. We got to ask BD. Nah, that wasn't me. I, I was with, I was with, I was he with was a wife. He did, yeah, you did yeah. the right thing. Yeah, I went That's why, you, I mean, yeah. You did what you're supposed to do. Because it wasn't nothing trouble that night. <laughs> right. Lots you of did trouble. What, yeah, you did what you were supposed to do. No, I know y'all had a blast. A blast. So now, you've been out of the NBA for six, seven seasons? About six seasons. Six, or six years. Damn, six years? Season. Crazy, right? It flies, yo. You know what I'm saying? They you know I'm be saying I'm out 16. Mm-hmm. So what was it like? You know, you didn't go to college, so you went from high school to the NBA, made good money. Now you're retired at what? what how old were you? 34. So I had I had knee surgery right um, in I think 2012 or whatever, and got staph infection from the surgery. So um, you know, during that time, I thought I was going to die. The whole shit, I was fucked up. Two weeks, I lost like 40 pounds. Like it was, I was skinny like you, bro. He was looking like 50 Cent on that one movie. Yeah. So I know how to get skinny. I just gotta get sick or something. You know? it's crazy. <laughs> Fuck. You know, I'm all with all the diets and all the other shit. Motherfucker eat grass and leaves now. This dude used to eat anything. That's why I asked him early in the interview with them donuts. Keto. I know Al used to fuck them. Al could eat. Snack man. Snack and, wheels. And, and I, love, snack I love snacks. Man. I love snacks. Remember, he always used to be in the locker room with like three of them uh, waist wraps on, always doing crunches the whole time. Remember? That shit didn't work. Because <laughs> then when we work. played together, I always was on the weight thing. Yeah. He always Nelly, had to be on the bike Nelly, and all this Nelly, shit. Because Nelly would weigh us at any second. He's like, you look fat, Harrington. Get on the scale. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you bitch-ass motherfucker, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, that's why I was always working out or whatever. Every but, time you um, see Al in the restaurant, he's doing crunches <laughs> everywhere. I always Locking wanted to have home. a six-pack, but I got a six-pack after basketball, and I'll tell you how. But when I, um, you know, so I had, this, I had the staph infection. It messed me up. Um, so the next season, I pretty much I went to play in Orlando. Didn't play the whole year. I played six games or whatever. So I always void that year out of my mind, but I'm acknowledging now. I got in shape that next summer. Um, went to Washington, played for the Wizards. Uh, got hurt after like the sixth or seventh game or whatever. Went down, came back the last 20 games of the season. Made the playoffs for the first time out there, or whatever. Had some success. But, you know, my knee, since I was back and forth with my knee, and the team didn't know if I could hold up a whole season. So they wanted me to coach and then go on the active roster after All-Star break, right? And I figured that was a setup, right? I'm like, that don't even make no sense. They're gonna be like, you're gonna end up coaching the whole year. So I was like, you know what? I'm cool on that. Get a call from Stefan. Steph was like, uh, what you doing? I was like, chilling. He was like, you in shape? I was like, yeah. He like, you in shape, shape? And he know it's time like Steph is a weirdo right. with all this stuff. He's like, you in shape, shape? Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm in shape. He like, come play in China. So I'm like, China? He like, yeah, I can get you like $2 million. It's tax-free money, blah, blah, blah. Just come play in China. So I'm like, I don't know about that. So he called me a week later. He like, you got a team yet? I was like, nothing yet. He was like, just come play in China. He's like, stay in shape. He said, you'll be done by All-Star break. A team will pick go you back. up because you in rhythm. Right. So I'm like, now that makes sense. So I was like, all right, cool. So I go over there and I go to Fujin. Um, and I knew when I was landing that I wasn't going to make it. Like, <laughs> Damn. bro, I'm telling you, like, I came, so, okay, when they sent me over there, I had to go get my Chinese visa, so I had to stop in Hong Kong. So when you, if you know when you get to Asia, like, if you don't, you know, do the melatonin thing and get on a pattern, like, you will just pass out in the middle of the day and be asleep until, like, 3 in the morning, you know what I'm saying? So I did that for three days. Like, I could not stay up. So I finally wake up. 
I, and you know, it's my flight, so I get to Fujian, and as I'm coming out of the clouds and shit, I look, and it's just like, it's like crazy. It's like third world country, like as I'm looking out the window. So at that time, I knew, right when I got out the clouds, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna make it out here, or whatever. So went there, played there. Um, they told me that, you know, I, that my center was gonna be the next Yao Ming or whatever, so I get there and the kid, he's good, not great, you know what I'm saying? Our team sucks, you know, we getting our ass smacked in preseason. So after like the fourth preseason game, I went to the uh, GM and it was a lady, her name was Ricky, and she knew nothing about basketball, but she's the GM, she makes all the decisions. So I go to Ricky and I'm like, Ricky, look, you told me this team was good, it's terrible. I was like, I want you to find me a replacement, I want to get out of here. So she's like, okay, okay. She calls my agent. He calls me. He's like, yo, just tough it out, blah, 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 blah. So I play two games, and then I call her back. And I'm like, yo, get me out of here. I'm like, I'm giving you till Thanksgiving. So long story short, she finds somebody, uh, DJ White or whatever. He comes and replaces me. So I come back home. So when I got back after that, you know, no teams was calling. So that's when I realized, like, it's over. You got to start figuring out what you're going to do next. You know what I'm saying? And... At that time, I had already started working on something, you know what I'm saying, which was obviously the cannabis space. So, you know, I was able to transition into something else. Walk us through this cannabis journey, because I tell people, like, you're at the forefront of it. And one thing, too, I definitely want to commend you. I think because we're friends and we're all tight, we really don't show how much we appreciate and respect you have, we have for you for what you're doing in this space, man. You're doing some amazing shit across the board, man. So I just want to congratulate no, you, man. It's, it's, it's good to be, to see you. You know what I mean? I'm looking up to you in this space because I'm in the space as well. But just to see the moves you're making and, and, and the, how you're giving back and how, how you're really, you know, opening up other athletes' eyes and making them realize, okay, this is something we can invest in. We missed, you know, this is our prohibition. This, is our, this, is, our, this is our gold rush, you yeah. know? This is cotton. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We can eat off this. So yeah. just wanted to start with that. We, we appreciate what you're doing in the space, man. So, but tell us a little bit what you are, what exactly is. Explain Viola to us. Yeah, man. So, you know, obviously, you know, it all started, you know, back when I was playing with the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, I was there right when, you know, that medical program got started. And, you know, I'm a newspaper guy. I think probably because of my rookie year, they're making me get so many newspapers. I got accustomed to, like, just grabbing a newspaper all the time. So while I was there, you know, I was always reading the paper and, you know, obviously the sports section a lot of the times, but there was always stuff about cannabis in there, telling stories about, you know, kids that have epilepsies and seizures and how cannabis oils was affecting their life or how people, you know, uh, that had HIV or cancer, you know, how cannabis was uh, giving them a better quality of life, you know, you know in their last days, um, even just the benefits of cannabis towards glaucoma and other, you know, diseases or whatever. So when my grandmother, you know, I convinced her to come see me play out there, um, you know, she got there and, you know, we started talking and she started taking all this medication and I'm asking her what's wrong with her and she started telling me these things and, you know, one of them was glaucoma. So I was excited because literally like two days before that I was reading about, reading something in the paper about the benefits of, you know, cannabis for glaucoma patients. So I started telling her about it and, you know, I'm calling it cannabis. And then finally, she, you know, she asked me, well, what is cannabis? And I was just like, uh, you know, it's marijuana weed. And she was like, reefer? She's mm -hmm. like, you telling me reefer's going to help me? <laughs> like, no way reefer going to help me. And she just shuts it down. So the next day, I come home, and, you know, she's sitting in the kitchen. And when I walk in, she's squinting her eyes, and she's like, is that you, baby doll? And I'm like, what's up, grandma? And she's like, my eyes hurt so bad today, I can barely see. 
So I was like, you take all that medication and it doesn't work? I'm like, why don't we just try cannabis and, you know, we'll just keep it, you know, on the lower between, between us, right? And obviously now I've told millions of people, right? Which is cool. <laughs> but, you know, she was just like, I'm in so much pain today, I'll try anything. So had my boy go to the dispensary. He brought back Vietnam Kush. We vaporized it for in a volcano bag. Just you could tell neither yeah, one of us are experienced it. smokers, in right? The bag. She hit the bag three, four times. And why it was funny, because when she was smoking it, she was hitting it and blowing it out her nose. Perfect. Oh, so she was hitting it, too. Yeah, I'm like, damn, she grandma. She did like, that before. Yeah, I'm like, my grandma, you smoke. <laughs> she didn't do she that like, before. What? She's like, nah, I smoked a cigarette one time when I was 16, whatever. So she hit it, take it downstairs. I take a nap. Wake up from my nap. I'm like, let me go check on her to make sure she ain't down there climbing the walls and going crazy. <laughs> and I go downstairs, and the door's closed. So now I'm like, really Super not worried. knowing what to expect, right? So I knock on the door, and when I poke my head through the door, uh, her back's the door, and she's looking down. And I'm just like, Grandma, how you doing? And she turned around, and she's crying tears. And she's like, I'm healed. I haven't been able to see the words in my Bible in over three years. So she was downstairs reading her Bible. And, you know, if anybody know anything about Viola Harrington, bro, like, I mean, if she's not going to heaven, we're all going to hell for sure. <laughs> we don't have a chance. Like, when my grandfather died at a young, she never remarried. She married the Lord. She was the treasury at the church. She ran all of the communion, like, she the one. For her first experience with cannabis and for her to go read her Bible, to me, was like, God's talking to me, you know what I'm saying? So it just inspired me to start learning, you know what I'm saying? And now I'm starting to take these newspaper articles way more serious. Damn, this is, this is, this is something that, obviously, we've been lied to for a very long time, but this is something that can really, like, help people. Like I said, I went through the education process, that next year, I called, um, you know, my co-founder, you know, because he was the only person that I knew that had some, you know, experience in growing cannabis. And we came to Colorado. We looked around at all these different opportunities. I asked him, I said, you think you can do this? He was like, yes. And we found our first building, a 12,000-square-foot uh, facility in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we became caregivers in the beginning, so all of our patients either had HIV or cancer. So we used to go strains that was heavy indica. And uh, that's how we started, bro. And, you know, we started there. And, you know, in 2014 is when, you know, we got issued our first license. So we had to name the business something. And, you know, obviously, you know, we sat there and we decided we wanted to name it after the person that inspired us to get to this point. And, you know, we named it Viola. So that's how Viola got started. What are some of the stuff I know, what's important to you in this space? I mean... You're yeah. not doing it for the financial gain. You did well for yourself in, in sports and in, in other investments, but tell us why, what drives you in this space? Man, I'm gonna be honest, like when I first started, you know what I'm saying, it was about, you know, being able to have some extra cash in my pocket and help people, right? Um, <clears throat> once I started realizing how the, you know, the cannabis that we was growing, how it really was medicine, how it was really helping and affecting people, I was like, yo, we doing God's work, bro. We doing something with something that's very natural, you know what I'm saying? This is something that is grown, it can be grown anywhere. All you need is sunlight and water. That's not a drug compared to all this other stuff that they recommend that we use. We take too many of them, we die. Um, you know, most times, whatever we're taking, the other side effects well, are worse on, than man. the thing that we're trying come to on, cure. You know on, what man. I'm saying? So not that's this. when I realized, I was like, yo, this is God's work, man. And, you know, it really just inspired me to, you know, leave basketball alone for the most part completely. You know, I did, I played in the big three or whatever, and that was more just to be able to hang out with my guys, kick it on the weekends and stuff like that. But my day-to-day -day business is, it has been cannabis. And as I've been going through this journey, <clears throat> 
I realized, like, obviously I'm having a lot of wins and a lot of success, but when I go to these different events and different things like that, I'm the only one in the room that looks like me. And when I think about, you know, how cannabis was used to pretty much tear down, you know, the black and Latino community, now that it's this billion dollar industry and we have no representation, like, I have a huge issue with that. That's really bullshit. And once I started to realize that, I was like, wow, like, you know, obviously we're doing, we're doing our part in regards of, you know, building a brand and, you know, uh, helping people with the medicine, right? But what are we doing to uplift our people? What opportunities are we providing for them? And when I asked myself that at that time, I didn't have any answers. At that point is when I decided to, you know, pivot our company and, you know, our company now is a lifestyle cannabis brand with purpose. And our purpose is about empowering and uplifting the black community. All people, they always want to talk about jobs and this and that. Like, yeah, jobs are cool, you know what I'm saying? But like, we want ownership, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, when you think about, you know, 85% of all drug arrests in the black community are all cannabis related, you know what I'm saying? And we only represent 3% of diversity in cannabis. How does that even make sense? I feel like what I'm doing is putting myself to be, have a seat at the table. And by me having a seat at the table, I can now come back and turn back and talk to my brothers about it and tell them the opportunities, the best ways to come into this. Because, you know, to me, I think it's ridiculous, like, you know, for any players, you know, moving forward, especially NBA players because of our brotherhood, right? And you know you can get in touch with me anyway. But to jump into the space without giving me a call just makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Because I know now, like, you know, you know, what's going to make money, what's really the longevity in cannabis. What's amazing is that, you know, to be honest, like, you know, I've been having this conversation with y'all for a while, for years, right? And every time I've talked to y'all about it, you know, it seems like I'm an expert, right? But what I know now compared to what I knew then, I didn't know shit. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? But now I'm like 10 years in. One of the challenges we're going to have is going to be capital, right? And, you know, that's why, you know, I try to reach out to many players and entertainers and, you know, uh, people that look like me and that share, you know, share the same interest in cannabis because we all smoke it. We all love it. We enjoy it. It's part of our lifestyle. And trying to get them to let's partner up and do this together because, you know, I feel like, you know, just in sports, you know what I'm saying? Like Instagram, all these different things, all these things are built off of us, right? And we don't get paid for it, right? So imagine if all the athletes from all sports decided, like, we're going to start our own Instagram. Kill it. It, w- it would kill Instagram. Right. It would be bigger than Instagram. You know what I'm saying? But it's, some, it's something in our DNA. I don't know if it's the competitive gene or something that like, doesn't allow together. us come to come together. Yeah. It's just something, and I guess it's from the 400 years of, you know, what has been ingrained in us that probably is what the cycle that we can't break at this time. But to your point, like what you said, like, this is generational wealth at risk. Like, these little $100 million contracts and shit like that, in the grand scheme of things, of the world and real wealth, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. That's no- It's people that spend $100 million in a day sometime. You understand? They can do that. You know what I'm saying? So it puts things in perspective. And, you know, my whole thing is just like, you know, when, you know, one of our new monikers is, what is your purpose? My purpose now is, obviously, you know, number one is to take care of my family. And obviously, I have to do that first, right? Um, The second thing is literally trying to figure out a way to empower and impact other people's lives. 
You know what I'm saying? I tell people all the time, I had to, I had the best time of my lives already. I've done the boats, I've done the private planes, I've done the crazy trips, I've had the craziest dinners and all that. You know what I'm saying? What's next? What else can you do? That's what I'm trying to instill in my company's culture through everybody throughout it. We're gonna build a brand, we're gonna scale a brand with purpose, and we're gonna do it with excellence. You know what I'm saying? And that's how we're gonna rock. And while we do that, we are gonna help a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? The goal of mine is to create 100 millionaires in the next three years. We have another company uh, that we go out to licenses or whatever, and you know, we just won two states. One state's announced, the other state's not announced, that, so I can't announce it. But between those three opportunities, those two, those two licenses that we just won, I just made eight of my homeboys millionaires. <laughs> That's dope. Bro. Dudes that came from nothing, had nothing, you know what I'm saying? And I was able to, you know, provide an opportunity that will allow them to, you know, become millionaires, bro. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what I'm trying to do with Viola. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I hope and pray that one day I could get the support of my other brothers that's like me so that we can really go out here and really impact the world. Like, people die for shit like this, what we trying to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. You know what I'm saying? When you try to uplift a whole, you know, generation of people, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, you know, what we need to realize is like, you know, I'm not racist by any means, but I'm woke. Mm -hmm. When we live in the NBA and all that type of shit, we live in a different world. It's not the real world. Right. But I've allowed myself to be vulnerable and be accessible to the real world. You know what I'm saying? And our generation, our race, excuse me, our generation, but our race is last, bro. No question. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything has more rights than black people when you really think about it. Right. I feel like the only way that we can change this cycle is we're going to have to do it through you know, economic growth and coming together, you know what I'm saying, and creating our own shit that's mm -hmm. ours that can nobody take from us. And I have so many ideas if us as black athletes came together and did, we can do stuff that, you know, we talk about creating an environment where our families never have to work again. We can do it. We just got to do it together. Put our egos aside. Yeah. We all get 1%. We all get half a percent of something that's going to be worth trillions of dollars. You understand what I'm saying? Now, that's how we make sure our family never, ever struggle again. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what Viola's about, bro. We're just getting started, you know, and, you know, I feel like, you know, five, ten years from now, you know, I think, number one, my 100, millionaire, uh, 100 millionaires goal will be accomplished. And then after that, I could turn it to thousands. We're trying to change the narrative, man. It's, it's our time, man. It's just, it's been too long. We're too talented. You know, it's too many industries before us that we pioneered that we don't have no ownership in. And I think that obviously because of those times, I don't feel like we had the proper resources to be able to take advantage of the opportunity. But this fucking time, mm -hmm. if we don't and we yeah, end up yeah. customers again, we fucking played ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and, that's, and that's it, period. I like it. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears, <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Cause then I knew it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So you're big on the evolution of... I mean, it, it, like you said, it, it's been going on for a long time, but really kind of bringing it to the forefront. I, I take pride in this as well as kind of being the shield for guys that are playing right now. Right. We can talk about it, we can educate, we can continue to spread our arms and, and empower people, but athletes are still stuck. We're still punished for it. Guys are losing their career, they're losing money, painted as a bad person because of this. Right. You know, so, so talk about a little bit about how you feel cannabis and uh, professional sports go hand in hand. Yeah, so, you know, when I first started, in the league, you know, I was one of the guys that when guys was, was smoking, was a square. I was a square. I was like, what they doing? You know what I'm saying? They not really doing nothing to help our cause of being winners and all that. So That's I look, what I used to do to people like you. I know. Y'all used to always help my cause. It's never not help my But I ain't know, bro. I ain't know. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I grew up in that era where I was afraid. I was one taught that if I smoked weed, I was going to be a crackhead. Like, who want to be a crackhead? I used to see crackheads in the corner shaking and you know, no clothes on. Like, I don't, who wants that? So I'm not going to smoke no weed to end up like that. You can forget don't about it. Don't ever compare the flower to that. But that's when, that's how, where yes. I was from. That's how I was. Oh then I seen people getting locked up for it all the time. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the other thing, I definitely, Al Harrington does not want to go to jail. So cannabis was just wasn't on my radar. So, you know, obviously once I had my experience, and it took for me to have my experience because I seen y'all use, I seen y'all smoke, and I seen y'all still be successful, right? But I still, at that time, felt like it wasn't for me. But once I got introduced to it, and then once I educated myself on the medicinal benefits of it, it made me just go back and think about my career and what I put my body through. Mm. And, you know, I was hurt a lot of the time. I played all the time. Yeah. I played hurt. I didn't miss a lot of games. I was, you know, I always had knees, something my bothering my knee, my back, whatever. And you know what the trainers did? They just gave me anti-inflammatories. Anything. Anything. They gave me muscle relaxers. You know, if it was really bad, they'd give me, you know, the good stuff, the oxys and the whatever, right? Just whatever it took for me to be comfortable enough for being back you know, on the court. To get out there on the court and play. <sighs> Once I educated myself, I realized all the side effects and all these different things, because I took anti-inflammatories for seven and a half straight years, bro, two in the morning, one at night, and I needed that just to be able to get up and feel good enough to go out and work on my craft the way I felt like I needed to. And, you know, when you think about all the side effects, like I said, potentially, and, you know, I'm still living, right? So the effects may be coming. 
It don't have to happen right now. I may feel those, those effects when I turn 50 or something. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine if I was educated enough to know and I had accessible cannabis, you know what I'm saying, where I could take a tincture under my, under my tongue or I could use a topical and rub it on my, my areas where I'm in pain. And, you know, when I realized that and, you know, talking to other athletes and, you know, once I started becoming more of an advocate, more athletes coming to me like, yo, we love what you're doing. This is ridiculous. We should be able to be able to have access. That's when I started to speak on it. And it inspired me to, you know, start a, a line of products that, you know, professional athletes could have access to that had, you know, 0% THC, which is obviously the main concern with sports leagues is that one property or that one cannabinoid in the plant is THC is what's really banned. So, you know, I started my company Harrington Wellness and, you know, my first line that I launched is Replay. You know, so it's a Replay hemp extract product um, that, you know, I use for recovery, you know. And, you know, one of the reasons why when I got done playing or inspired me to push me out the league was my knee. Like, I could not get swelling out of my knee. And because of the swelling, it always, you know, I was always in pain. That's the same that you went across seas and had that surgery for? I went to, I went to, right, I went to Germany and had a procedure. I had every single procedure you could have here in the United States trying to figure out my knee. And not until I finished my formulation of replay and was able to use it and use it consistently that all the inflammation is out of my knee. And that's the only reason why I was able to play in the big three was because of this cream that I had made. Um, and because nothing else was working. Now that, you know, I have these products and, you know, it's not only my company, there's other companies that are doing, you know, that, that have products and stuff like that. But, you know, I feel like CBD is going to be the gateway into professional sports. And I think that people need to wrap their head around that all cannabis isn't bad. And even the THC side is not bad. You know what I'm saying? There's just still that stigma on it right. that we are everyday changing. And, you know, one of the things that I prided myself on and, you know, having people like, you know, Stack being, you know, very supportive. When we played in the big three, you know what I'm saying, we we let everybody know about our cannabis mm -hmm. use. Because to me, once again, it was changing the stigma because me and him was the best two players in the league, right? We both had all these other things going on. He's doing TV, I'm running my company. And we use cannabis every day. And look at the success, look right. at the wins that we're having <clears throat> while we're using it. And I thought that was very important that we did that. And to let people know, like, look, man, like, I'm a father of four. You know, I manage a business. I manage a household. I manage all my other investments. I manage family. Mm -hmm. I still hoop. And I smoke weed every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not true that when you smoke, you're going to be stuck on the couch. And, and especially when you have access to CBD. CBD is not going to do nothing but actually heal. I think that, you know, obviously with baseball made the huge announcement that they're no longer testing in the minor leagues. They never test in the big leagues anyway. Right. But making that announcement now says that pretty much cannabis is legal. And I'm surprised that they did it first. You know what? Those, what I'm was, not. I'm not because they, they was never testing for it. But what's really, what's really unique about it is that there was no backlash. Zero. Like, none. Zero. It was on SportsCenter one day. They might have touched on it the next day because they was having those meetings, and that was it. Why do you think that is? I think because no one care. The fans do not care if players have access to cannabis. I don't think they care anymore. Because I'm it doesn't affect you, the game. It does not affect what they do. And you got to remember, we're professionals, right? right. So the responsibility have, comes with bro, it. People, we can I don't drink. want you coming to the game high. I don't we want can you. drink. That's so a, why that's not? The same so, responsibility so you need as to as much drink as we in. like to drink, when players like to drink, so you like to drink, you like to smoke, right? 
You don't show up to the games drunk. It's a responsibility. How many teammates? I've had one teammate that showed up to a game drunk, but he was not playing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was in the back. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He, yeah. he was sitting on the bench. He wasn't playing. I'm just not about to go and lace him up against Steven Jackson or Matt Barnes and going to go get high before I do that. I can't do or it. Or play KD. Or I can't I'm, do I'm it. not blowing. Like, oh, I'm about to go guard. Like, no. You know what I'm saying? Come with it. Right, bro. But what I'm saying is, like, we are we're professionals. You know what I'm saying? And I think that fan bases understand that, too. And you may have one or two guys. You know what I'm saying? Every sport has that one guy that has, mm -hmm. you know, problems beyond, you know, what Deep we can actually that. speak for, rep, speak right. on. You know right. what I'm saying? And those are the guys that you'll have one bad apple. But, you know, if you allow players to use cannabis, man, I just think it makes it for a better league. You know, I think, you know, what players put themselves through, to get themselves ready to play the game, go through all the emotions of the game, within the game, after the game. And what we do is we run the liquor. We tell the ball boy, go get me a bottle of Ciroc, go get me a bottle of Douce. And, you know, we sitting there, we drinking. And now we drink to the point where, you know, if, you know, if we go into the next city or whatever, like, you know, you're dehydrated, dehydrated for real. Dehydrated as fuck. Um, you off your game, obviously. And just imagine if, and I know players would do this because we all we all looking for an advantage, right, of, of, of feeling better. You know what I'm saying? Like, one thing I laugh about all the time is, like, me and Wilson Chandler are two players that I know that have tried every and any kind of workout, medicine, uh, supplement that will make you feel better. I have not found anything as good as cannabis. So, like I said, just imagine after a game, a trainer walks around with a gummy bear, you know what I'm saying, with an edible that's, you know, 100 milligrams, CBD and 5% THC and gives that to a player. And he takes that and allows him to start to relax. Help and as sleep. we know, right, and as we know, you know, the cannabinoid, you know, it, it, it is, a, is a natural anti-inflammatory. And it, like you said, it helps you sleep. So it's just so much good that comes from it. So I think that NHL is going to be next. Mm. I think NFL's definitely after that because they got their collective bargaining, so they may end up being before NHL, but I wouldn't be surprised if NHL did it this season, just from some people I know. And then the NBA's going to have to do it, and they're open to it. You know, Adam understands that, and, you know, I think that if any player ever decided to take that step as far as with saying it's his right to use cannabis, especially the players that play in cities or That's states illegal. that it's legal, because... With the state that you live in says that it's medicinally legal for you to have access to it if a doctor prescribes you for it. So how can the league tell you that you can't get the medicine that your doctor recommended It would be a hell of a court battle. They don't want that. And they don't want that. They don't want that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it could be forced if it had to be. But I think that, you know, the Players Association, you know, they're very open to it. You know, obviously, I talk to Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul and them guys all the time. Uh, they're on board, you know, they, 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 they're, they're supportive of what we're doing. And, you know, now they're just waiting for just, you know, small things, you know, like some form of a stamp of approval or, or a stamp that can say that these products are TAC free, and but outside of the cannabis space. Right, so they're looking right. for it from somewhere, FDA, uh -huh. someone like FDA certified or different things like that. And those are the things that I'm working on, you know what I'm saying, trying to figure that out. But, uh, you know, we're very close, and, you know, I think that all of our work is about to come to a head. Right. Like, I think the players are about to have access. I feel it, too. It's going to be because of us. And I really, like I said before, when we started this conversation, I mean, you've, we've all kind of done it, you know what I mean? Like, my 
it was, I didn't try to keep it a secret, but you know, I smoked. So I came out right out the gates, you know what I mean? Post-career, we did that Bleacher Report shit right. and kind of started running with it, you know what I mean? So it was really my goal. I kind of felt like it was my responsibility because I got popped towards the end of my career. I was getting drug tested. When I was in Memphis, when I played for Memphis, I was getting drug tested once a week and still smoking. <laughs> And still, you know, and didn't, you know what I mean? I just right. I made it work. But to me, there's no other alternative. Like you said, I, I'm someone who, I take a pill, my, I, my stomach hurts. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not really a drinker, I'm a social drinker. I'm not a sit back and just drink my sorrows away. So I've just always smoked and I just knew what it did for me, you know? So the fact that there's now medical research backing that up, right. you know what I mean? And, cause we can You're talk about- crazy our, after all. No, we could talk about our stories till we're blue in the face, but until we started getting this, these research behind us, when people start listening, you know what right. I mean? So I just think, our experiences, like you said, if, if the top of the line, you know, the 1%, NBA, you know, professional athletes are 1%. If we can be functional and professional athletes and fathers and business owners and doing all this productive shit, like, there has to be something to it. Right. You know, like I said, I got popped, and he said there's probably over 200 dudes in the, in the drug program for weed alone, and there's, what, 400 players in the NBA? <laughs> And like I always say, like I think it's ninety percent of us use cannabis in some shape, form, or fashion, and obviously one thousand percent in the off season. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I see, I could see like a Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? Like with his wife on vacation. Like let's take this edible. Yeah, real, yeah. Like what's wrong with that? Nothing. You shouldn't be penalized for that. There's nothing wrong. But with imagine that. if someone like a, a LeBron or a KD or someone like that and came out and said, yeah, I, yeah, I medicate to help me. I mean, LeBron spent at one point, it would probably take off that $1.5 million a year LeBron is paying for his body if he would, you know what I mean, if he was... Right. You know but, mean? but imagine that, Katie, but it would take someone like that. Katie right. did take a big step, though, because he invested in that cannabis company in Canada. Yeah, yeah, I seen that. Yeah, yeah, Katie did? Yeah, I think yeah, he has, yeah, two, I think he has two cannabis investments. Yeah, uh, so yeah I mean, big. you know, That's obviously, yeah, there, there's players that are, you know, that are definitely investing in stuff, but, you know, to our point, like, you know, they're using... They using, they using more, and it's more in the open than it was when we was, right. when we was doing it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we never sat in the club well, who? and smoked weed. Who? We did every. Nah, not not in the not like who didn't? Not, nah, y'all didn't smoke like in the club in front of everybody. Like what? Nah, we, who did? Who did not? You didn't. Where were you? They was not. That's oh, cat. No, you. We gotta call somebody me? right now. Y'all gotta call somebody right now. Every teammate. Call every Baron. teammate. Call Baron. Man, y'all was not standing. Y'all was not standing on the edge of the stage. Where was Jack? Where was this cat? I'm, 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 I'm appalled. My God. They've been out the game too long. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? They've been out the game too long. They was not. They was not. They was not up front. We were sitting you, in our area. You don't remember New, New Year's? He used to be standing up, smoking with his shirt See, that on. that was one. New Year's was one time. Oh, who we got on the phone? Hey, shut up. <laughs> 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 BD. Tell him we filming right now. We filming. Hey, we filming right now, dude. We had to ask you something. Hey, but I got a serious question for you, dog. Tell him what Al said first. Al said, I don't know where he was at the time. <laughs> Unbelievable. But Al said, we didn't smoke in the club when we was in Golden State. Are we live? <laughs> he said, are we live? <laughs> <laughs> we rolling. It don't matter. We rolling. It don't matter. We smoking right now. Al said, we didn't. Al didn't. <laughs> he said, Al didn't. Al didn't. <laughs> All right, I'm going <laughs> I'm not about to argue with them. Y'all got Al it. Al didn't, but you got to think. Just like you said, you didn't smoke to the second year. 
We had to tow every club up by this. Boy, damn. What do you mean? It was a regular. We tipped I was the, there. We tipped each bouncer $100, and we was good. So anyway. My you're, bad. My you're, bad. It's okay. Yeah, where were you? We forgive you. Where were you? But anyway, like I said, you're... Not like now. These, I, I just don't feel like, like these motherfuckers is sitting in the middle of the spot. Because of what we did. Right. We started my, that shit. Right, my bad. Yeah, these guys are using, so, you know, I think that the numbers is, like, staggering of, like, how many players actually use, use cannabis now. So, uh, you know, it's time for a change. And it's coming. It's going to happen sooner Definitely than later. Knows. I think it's going to happen even sooner than I thought, because a year, I think when we did our Bleacher Report thing, I think we said three to five years yep. or whatever, and that was yep. a year ago. Uh, so uh, we no, might be right on. Ago. We yeah. Only, yeah, we only yeah, so we might be right on Coming up on the third year. Yeah, I think next year there's going to be some movement. I think so. But talk about, you know, rest in peace, the conversation you had with Stern, kind of the entryway. You know what I mean? Because he was someone that was, Stern was, his, his reputation speak. he was mafia. You know what I mean? And to ha sit down with him after he had handed the reins off to Adam in, in, the, in the open, real conversation you guys had, that made real headwaves. Yeah, man, it was uh, obviously, you know, I didn't, it wasn't in the game plan, right? You know what I'm saying? I never was in my mind thinking, like, I got to eventually talk to David Stern about this. Happened organically, you know what I'm saying? I was in, at this milking conference here in L.A. He was on a panel. You know, I went to go see him speak. And afterwards, you know, walked up to me, and the first thing he said was, how's your knee? And I was just like, it's like, it's crazy as memory, oh, right? Man. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm Al Harrington and whatever, and all these players, like, for you to remember that was crazy. But he's like, how's your knee doing? I was like, it's all right, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I started telling him, you know, what I was, he was like, what are you doing here? So I was just like, I'm just trying to learn, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing to do next. But I was like, right now I'm in the cannabis space. And, you know, and then he was just like, yeah, I live in uh, I live in Aspen and there's all kind of dispensaries everywhere. You know, I drive past them all the time. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And I was just like, uh, you know, also I want to figure out a way, you know, for players to have access to cannabis like that. And he was like, oh, no, hell no, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm telling you, you got to look at it. I said, you should look at it. It's, 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 it's more information out there now. You should let me come talk to you about it. And he was like, fine. So... It took me like eight months to get on this schedule. <laughs> like literally like eight months, bro. So eight months later, I'm in New York. He tells me to come by. And you know, he's so busy or whatever. He gave me like a 20 minute time slot. I had 20 minutes to meet with him. And I get there and you know, we start talking and you know, my grandmother's story breaks the ice for everybody. It like humanizes the plant, right. you know, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? So at least where people are willing to be open-minded enough to have a conversation at that point. And when I told him that, you know, he was just like, wow. And, you know, he's like, that's an emotional story. And then I just started telling him about the players. I was just like, you know, you know, and I started with the whole responsibility thing. I was just like, you know, players aren't going to come high. And then, you know, he, he mentioned, like, back when he first took over, like, that was a real, they, they was on cocaine. Cocaine, that, that was that powder. You know that saying? wasn't that tree. That was so that powder. So he was just like, you'll be amazed the guys will come, you know, to the <laughs> game high. I was talking to that. Jerry West the other day about some shit like that when he was coaching. He was telling me some shit. I'm like, what? And like, uh, as the coach, and he knew, I was just like, damn. Right, it yeah. was Words, so he's telling me. So, so we talking, so... Then I just, I walked him through the day of a player, for the most part, was like my first, you know, and I just like, yo, you know, I said, you probably know this, but I said, you know, we wake up, we shower, we blast music, get ourselves riled up, get to the stadium, you know, go through film, get riled up, play, go through the emotions of the game and, you know, how it is with the officials and the coaches and the fans. And I was like, you know, we really train our bodies, like we train our bodies for real to, to play for four hours, right? We play 20 minutes, 30, mm. you know what I'm saying? So after the game, we still on one. We need something, like need we need it. something, something to bring us down. The thing that we reach for is the most unhealthy thing ever. 
Alcohol. Alcohol. Then we have injuries and shit like that. And the first thing opioids. we reach for is the opioids. And that's the worst shit ever. So, you know, I explained that to him and the flights and this. And I said, but I imagine we get an edible. We get a tincture. We get to the point where we can ask for specific strains that we know that will mm-hmm. do whatever we need, you know what I'm saying, for recovery. He was just like, I never thought about it like that. That's a very, very interesting way to look at it. And, you know, he was like, you know, we should talk again. Went to New York again, and we chopped it up again, and this time I had more research, and I had, like, some paperwork that I gave him and stuff. And then that's when I asked him, I was like, you mind going on camera and let me interview you about this? And he was just like, uh, let me read up some more about it or whatever, and then he called me back a week later, and he was like, I'll do an interview with you, no problem. So we did the interview, um, and, you know, because he's an attorney, you know he's not going to say anything he don't want to say or he don't mean. Mm -hmm. So... Here I go, me and the producers or whatever, trying to craft questions to get him to say, like, players have access to cannabis, but in a roundabout way. I had a list of 17 questions. And it's impressive, Matt, you ask me all these questions without having some. But I'm looking, I'm like, and I go through first question, second question, third question, and literally he says this shit. He, like, said it, bro. He, like, yo, a player should have access to cannabis, and, you know, they should really look at this policy. It doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, it's, 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 it's now documented, you know, information that says that, you know, it's beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the producer, like, <laughs> what else y'all want me to That's do? That's right? That's all I came for. Like you said, it came out, and, you know, the impact that it had, you know what I'm saying? Um, obviously, I think it definitely, you know, was a hit amongst you know, the brotherhood and the players and all that, obviously. But I think, you know, with the commissions of these leagues and stuff like that, they had to take a look. I was speaking for all of us, you know what I'm saying? Every sport, you know what I'm saying? And he was speaking for all the sports. And I think that, you know, someone especially like him, because you know he was a tyrant, you know, he didn't play, you know, it was his way or the Mm -hmm. highway, you know what I mean? And for him to say that, I think, because everyone knows how he is, they had to look at it. I think that that's why that, you know, that video was so impactful. And it's crazy, too, because, you know, I've been meaning, every time I go to New York, I've been meaning to hit him up. And then next thing you know, you know, mm. he dropped dead, you know, for the most part. So, you know, it sucks, you know. Um, a lot of people, after I did the interview, they just knew that he was, like, uh, on the, an investor. Like, everybody, that was the first question. He's an investor, he's an investor, right? I'm like, no. But, you know, one of the things I was going to ask him was actually, like, to be on the board of my company. That would have been dope. Because that would have been amazing just to have his insight of building brands and changing, Mm -hmm. you know, the way people... Because, you know, people perceive uh, the NBA a certain way. It's a drug league and this thing. Right, too black, too drug, and he had a vision. We talked about this on the jump um, a couple weeks ago with uh, Rachel. You know what I mean? He had his vision of... But he had his ideals and what he did and in, in, in branding individual player, like he had this whole play. So I only right. imagine him sitting on your board would have yeah. guided you guys. So that's what I mean with the, you know with, with uh, doing with excellence is yeah. having more access Come to on, people man. like you that around know. us. That's how we gonna win, bro. We gonna win in this industry. I don't know how to, I don't know how it's gonna go, but we gonna win. The, the, no the message gonna get out on this. This is gonna be one of our. You know, what I mean, we've all we've had some dope shows, but this yeah. one is. So educational, like I said, this is, you know how important this is to me, you yeah. know what I mean? And I know how important it is to you and to just keep pushing the word, you yeah. know what I mean? And like you said, everybody can do shit individually and probably be successful, but together, we Can't would move. be unstoppable. We could own, like we could like have real ownership. Talking about jobs, ancillary jobs. So anybody, man, you see this, any athletes, pass it to your homeboys, you see it, hit me up, hit Al up, hit Jack up. 
come together, come join our team, and let's take this shit over, man. Let's do it. Let's get on the NBA, bro. Home stretch. Yes, sir. Get on the NBA. What you think about the NBA today? How you feel about it? It's cool. Um, I don't really like to watch it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just, you know, I'm not a fan of the 134 to 148 games. Yeah, oh, you know what I'm it. saying? And I just feel like it should be more pride defensively. You know what I'm saying? And I know they changed the game to the point where you can't touch. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I think that it just needs to be more it's pride soft. defensively, man. And then the whole, like... Well, just some, sometimes it almost seems like it, they don't care as much because they don't play deep. It's called right. buddy, buddy, and, and that's just how the game is played. Score, and that's not everybody, that, but that's just some people. Like, that's it, a high it, It's so easy out there that it's just like, damn, like, are you kidding me? Like... And then the resting, and it's like, then you rest, you don't play the games. It's like, when we came up, the game was the show. We took pride in playing 82 games but every the year. Game but not was the game was the show. We love playing four games in five nights. That's less fucking practice. That's more games. But that's back when we really we have to really used to have to practice. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we go to war. Like, I remember with Stan Van Gundy, we used to motherfucking have to have taped ankles and knee pads and shoot around, bro. Like, we got to it. Yeah, I wouldn't have that. You know what I mean? We got to it. So <laughs> I'm cool. It, it is funny, too, because, like, we're not even now. I'm, I'm two years removed. So when you talk like this, you're like, oh, you're a hater, you're this, you're that. And it, it is not that at all. Just the game has completely changed. And yeah. to me, I don't have as much of a problem. Like, I respect the fact because it's, it's continuing to evolve. This is yeah. Stern's plan, right, right. you know, a, a global game. So people want to see highlights. They want to see three-pointers, dunks, and high scores. They don't want to see a defensive battle. Yeah. They don't want to see a Detroit-Indiana type. They, mm -hmm. they do, but if there's no fight, like, right. who wants to see an 83-81 game? Right, right. You know what I mean? So the game has evolved. So I, but I feel what you're saying. It's just like it just doesn't seem like, ugh. That competition. It's just, right it's just, you know, it's just threes. You just run around, shoot threes. And I talked to an official yesterday um, that's in the space, and he said to me, he's like, you know, these guys, it's just so it's changed since you guys have been gone. He's like, all they do is shoot threes, and they drop to the hole, and they touch them, they want a free throw. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just, but the game is, but the skill level of the skill game is like the, the it's never been. game that they got. Incredible. Oh, they cold. Incredible. How would you be in today's game? I think I'd be solid. Cook. You know, I could, you know, I could do all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it wouldn't have been no inside. I just had to yeah. do everything from the outside, which I'd have been cool with, because I had handled and then I could shoot. I think I would have been able to make this transition for Easy. sure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I came in the league and we came in, it was inside out ball, Shaq, T. You had to touch the inside them. before you even shot you know a three. That. But by the time we was on the end, it was like Yao, and like yeah. after Yao, it was like kind of done. You know what I'm saying? Now you look at like I went to go see uh Oklahoma City play um the Pacers and the big kid Turner, you know, he didn't touch the paint one time on the offensive end. Like, I watched the, I was there the entire game on the floor, and he did not touch the paint on the offensive end one possession, bro. Shooting three. Right. Not probably, crashing, yeah. not just, I'm like, what, like, what is going on? He's seven foot, but he's skilled. He's out there. They're running the offense through the centers a lot of the three-point three line. Nice. I'm nice just like, shit. damn, but you're not going to touch the paint one not time, big fella? You seven feet? <laughs> right. You ain't going to get one offensive right. rebound, dog? Or one mismatch, one switch? Nothing. But that's how the game is played. But, you know, like I said, you know, it's not, it's not what I like to watch for now. Maybe when my kids get into it, I can get back into so it. So it's not no players you like to watch? Oh yeah, of course I like playing. I play. I like you know. I like to. I like Katie. Obviously, you know. Bron is you know. My my goat. Is he? Oh, let's talk about that. So you got. Give me your top three. Bron, Mike. Uh. Probably like Shaq. All them buckets Cole gave you, and you just <laughs> not gonna disrespect him. 
I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just saying. You ask me who my top. I'm just is. saying. Who gave you more buckets than Kobe? Well, Kobe, Kobe four. But I'm saying, who gave you more buckets out of all of them than with Kobe in it? <laughs> oh, right. Gave me buckets. All of us together. <laughs> Shit, I didn't get a lot of cold buckets. Man, stop it. Cold was cold. I mean, Cole was the guy. But I'm um, asking, Braun is the best player because I feel like just because you talk about the best basketball player, not the best killer instinct. You understand what I'm saying? The fact that he can play all five positions, the fact that he's done this shit for 17 years consistently, no drop off at any, at any time. time. And we've been saying, well, not we. You can decide you, you big teething right now, like you really feeling this. But I'm <laughs> saying, <laughs> he's, he's the best all around player of all he's, time. He's not far. Oh, yeah, there's no question. All right, do so I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll but if you that. ask me, do I got to start with, well, I got to start an organization and I need a bad motherfucker? Him. No, I'm going with Mike. Okay. Really? I'm going with Mike. Yeah. Going with Mike, but outside of that, it's him, dog. Hands down, Matt over Magic, Bird, all of them. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. I'm not, I'm not mad at the that at all. Battle for LA. Who gonna win it? Clippers, Lakers. See, the only thing with the Clippers that scared me is because they keep doing all these dudes not playing and all that kind They're of stuff. They're resting. That shit I don't know. Used to. But, but you know, it's something to be said about. You know, I, you gotta I, like build. I respect it. I'm not mad at it because. No, like, but I'm saying you, you gotta build that camaraderie and that feel for each other. They like like they not like that to me. Like, you know, you know, PG is still like evolving. Uh -huh. Right. You know, it's not like he had like a killer playoff series before. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like he just proving, proving where you like, you know, in the playoffs, he about to just turn it up like to the he max. He got that proven uh, contract. That's what he got. But no, he got uh, game. But I'm, no, yeah. no, I'm not listen, I'm not saying you don't have game or none of that. I'm just saying it's not like you know G PG to be like when the playoffs right, come, right. he take his shit no, from exactly here to here. Saying. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. So uh -huh. all I'm saying is like I feel like, you know, and Kawhi was able to do that last year. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like that's rare. Like, there's not a lot of players that can go in and out the lineup and all that, get in that and go here. That's Kawhi's second time. Right, okay, so he's done it twice. So that, so my point being is, like, he's known for that yeah. now, right? right? PG's not known for that, you know okay. what I'm saying? And nobody else on their team. So okay. all I'm saying is, like, I would like to see them play more games together and start, like, take the season serious. They taking well, it like, they don't matter what seed they get. They take get. the Lakers game serious, that's about they it. Take that, but that's what I'm saying. So my whole thing is, like, I don't know how that's going to end up. I will say that I feel like the Lakers are taking every game serious. So because of that, that might play into it if they don't, you know, if they don't start well, the playing consistently together. Lakers take every game together. serious except the Clippers. <laughs> Had me doing 50 cush-ups. <laughs> you see? Right. So you lost the yeah, yeah, 50 cush-ups? Yeah, so that's classic. So I'm saying, One like... Question, real quick. With the injuries you had throughout your career, if load management was a thing, you think that would have put some years on your career? Um, if you really just sat, because like I said, I, I tell people, because we interviewed DeMarcus too, I said, we have to be protected from ourselves. Like at the end of the day, we want to get out there. Right. But if they have this research now backing it up, that if you rest here, there, and I feel, I feel both sides, like fans want to come see you play. But at the end of the day, if it's about winning championships is what we make everything about. Why would you not want your players to be the absolute most rested that can be knowing the fucking wear and tear our bodies take? You know, we both all know how firsthand our bodies take. So if we're strategically rest throughout the season and start revving up at the right time, to me, post-playoffs is the right time to start getting on. That's how fast we yeah, can I mean, together. I mean, I understand you know, and that. It's more of just a... But I don't respect you're, you're it, though. Pure, you're pure I, don't, Hooper, you're I, I just don't respect it because I think that the part of... The reason why it's an 82-game season and all that is because it's, a, it's, the, it's the journey. That's the part yeah. of it. 
grind. It's the journey. Yes. But so it's like, I want to be tired in the end. I want to be I want you to be tired. Exactly. I want to go from I'm tired I want to push myself get more out of tired. I feel all that, but why I say it's different with that, too, is because these kids now are playing more games before they get to where we're at. You played a lot of games because you came straight from high school. Excuse me. But the AU system now, these kids are playing so much games that their bodies are so worn down by the time they get to where the 1% get that their knees, when they're coming in at 18, their knees are 26, 27-year-old knees. Well, manage it down there. Don't manage feel, it when I'm paying you I millions of dollars. That, yeah, I respect that. And when that I'm then. coming out to watch you play. You maybe, know what I'm saying? Maybe you, that's a real man, talk there. Yeah, manage maybe, that AAU shit. Man, manage AAU. Because, I mean, at the end really of the day, work at. it's the journey. You it's know what? the grind. And that's I, the then I feel what you're saying. But to me, like, having kids in the game, I understand it now. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm looking at it as, like, this next generation, like... It's, if it's strategically done, it's the right thing to do. Like, I have no problem. And, and we talked to Lou Will, because Lou Will said, Kawhi's hurt. It's I not so that. much low management. Yeah, like I figured he's, that you know what he looked so, at because he, he a hooper. He liked the hoop. Yeah, he want to play. From what I know about him, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He loved a hoop. So yeah. I figured that. They just they didn't want the media, like, yeah. his knees messed yeah. up, his back. So I figured he was, something yeah. was bothering him. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about even guys on teams that is not right. playing for a championship yeah. I mean, and doing low management. Yeah, I feel or that. telling him, or a guy that's in his second year still develop, developing, we're not going to play you the off. rest of the year. Yeah, fuck that. Like, what is that. going yeah. on, bro? I hear that. But to go back and touch on what y'all said, was, what this, what's coming out now is it's not even AAU. It's the middle school basketball because they're not even learning nothing. So it's making, it's making them worse. And they playing that middle school basketball <sighs> the whole school year, getting hurt. And in that time, AAU is fine because they traveling, they learning a lot. Middle school, they're not learning nothing. So that's wasting the time. Well, that's and that's where a lot of them getting hurt at oh, in middle yeah. school. That's a, well, like I said, middle school ball is for nothing now. It don't like, even make really no sense to play. You got to that working grind. out. Like, that's why I'm coaching my kids. Like, I'm not letting them get wrapped up. in Even if basketball is not what they do, if it is what they do, but just it's such a dirty grind. But I like what you said, like manage the Just AU don't teach shit. your sons how to dribble like you. They shoot, run, jump, but dribbling, do not teach them dribble. Just make sure you don't teach your son don't, how to fall in his face and don't bust his motherfucking face open and get a whole new grill and flatten his nose out. <laughs> but anyway, so petty boy, so petty motherfucker. <laughs> you know you, you throw one, I'm gonna throw eight at you. Make sure you no, tell your son not to fall in his face and bust his face We all got new pearlies over here. Not yeah, me, man. my shit real. I'm talking about him. I can oh, tell. All right. oh, okay. I these, can tell your shit real. No, no, she's no natural mother. I know. Look like 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 a turtle out of his shit. <laughs> anyway, man, who's your... <laughs> Let's get back to... Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Let's get back to this shit. Uh, who you got in the finals? Um... Cool. One of the LA, one of the Damn. LA teams. So the, you think so? The Battle of LA is gonna your finals winner. Whoever wins that is gonna win the finals. This shouldn't be that Unless, hard. This shouldn't be that hard. Five. No, out of the East. No, I'm just period. Finals picks. Yeah, is uh so it's one of the teams out of LA. Can I? That's fair. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna go with I, Milwaukee. It should be Milwaukee, but I just feel like Sun could get shut down. Philly. So. Boston. Not Philly, Boston. Boston. Just Boston, just because I think Look I think him. the Kimba factor, the Kimba factor should step in. I just feel like with with Philly, there's some leadership issues there, and like somebody can't. I think is Someone I don't know. Somebody got to take charge, and it's just, just like they work. haven't been able to figure Jimmy. that out. And then um, obviously they playing well too, Miami. Miami. But I still don't know Dark enough players course. on their team. I think they one player away. Yeah, I just don't know anybody on the team but him. But uh, they're a good team. But yeah, I would say I would say Boston and one of the LA teams. So the rivalry back. 
That's another vision they had, right? They want those two teams to be. We're going to smoke to that then. Yes, sir. At Viola. Let's do it. Finals party. So you got the Lakers, Boston. Lakers, Boston, party at Viola. Party at Viola. Who winning? Lakers. Lakers. Goddamn right. Lakers. You got the Clippers winning. I got the Clippers winning, but I mean, if it's Clippers, Lakers, but if Clippers it's Lakers come out, Boston, yeah. Le- to me, whoever wins the battle of LA is going to win the finals. That's, and that's no disrespect to the rest of the league. That's just what it is. Last question. The Five last. people. You could sit, smoke, and just be creative as fuck with. In my life right now? Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Who's at your table? Not counting me and Jack. Give some other people some space. All right, so I got to have BD there. Just like to, you know. For everything. You ain't got to explain to us. MC the whole thing. Make sure yeah. it all makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I want to smoke with Obama. Yeah. Um, I want to smoke with, like, Legends in the Guy. I, I want Bob there just to hit the herb with him. Young Marley. Damn, who else would I want to smoke with? Um, you know, I'm on some history shit, so, like, you know, just be able to learn and be like, so Marcus Garvey, yeah. I'd love to smoke with him. Yeah, dope. That's where we was waiting for you to go. That type of shit. Um... And then I'll probably just have another, like, entertainer. Uh, who would I want to smoke with? I don't know. Somebody like Lenny Kravitz. Not Lenny Kravitz. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. When you said somebody be... funny, it was funny because D-Wade had Eddie Murphy at his. Oh, Eddie B.D. Yeah, he had, somebody, he had Obama too at his, too. B.D., B.D., my Eddie Murphy, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, nah, he's all purpose. <laughs> he's all purpose. Everyone you mentioned, he got a little piece of everybody you mentioned at him. And Jimmy, yeah. He damn sure Obama. Man, that's a wrap. All the smoke. All the smoke. Legendary episode, man. I think this episode is going to make a lot of headways. My uh, brother. I hope it does. You know, we got to bring people together. No doubt. Um, athletes need to be able to smoke. We need to love each other. Yes, sir. We're going to smoke anyway. Regardless. Fuck you, man. Uh, but, man, hell of a show. Ow, did it thank again. you for having me. Man, hold on. Let me wipe his hands off. sweaty. Bro, what's my, going my, on with that? Your... Look at me. Slap him. Moist. <laughs> he don't want to feel it. Moist. <laughs> he don't want to feel it. My hands are not moist. It's just yeah, moist. My hands are yeah, not they, moist. They, yeah, they are. Oh, like, how you going to argue with two of us? It's like you just lotioned you. them or something. Like you been playing with your you dick over here or something? Someone got a hole through his sweatshirt in here. You want to watch it to be chanked like your shit? You got calluses and shit like you been curling for the show, Don't do me like that. My shit is nice. I get manny's and petty. Your shit's nice and wet, bro. And my shit manny'd. I thought you was playing with yourself down there. That's crazy. On on camera too, bro. You a sicko. Sicko mode. This nigga's the biggest hater ever, dog. Man, catch us Thursday. All the smoke. The biggest hater ever. With our guy Al Harrington. I'm too fresh to be stale. These niggas hate me. What they talking about? That's a wrap, man. All the smoke. Great episode with my brother Al. Uh, Check this out on uh, Showtime Basketball YouTube or all platform streaming podcasts. All of them. Everything she does Back off. is because she never loses sight of what's important. Put you on a military transport tonight. Hell yes. No one's backing down on either side. We have a bona fide crisis. We'll follow it up together. Get to the truth. I did what had to be done.
365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.